0: The Motorcycle Show is brought to you by DiscountRamps.com. DiscountRamps.com offers a huge selection of power sports products for your ATV, UTV, motorcycle, and more. Everything you need to load, haul, or transport your PowerSports toys. Listeners can save 15% with code WHEEL at checkout. This is The Motorcycle Show, episode 12 for December 5th, 2021. I'm Crash.
1: I'm Daddy No Fun.
0: Man, uh, it's been a minute. Definitely uh, the holiday season where... Nobody has time for anything.
1: Well, you know, you were gallivanting (laughs) around the country, around the world. You're going here, you're going there, making deals, selling bikes, buying bikes.
0: (laughs) I didn't buy any bikes yet, but uh, I did talk to Phil at Cleveland Moto about like, hey, what's some weird stuff in Japan I should be on the lookout for? And he sent me a picture of a a bike called the Suzuki SW1. It's basically a TW2 or TU250 kind of like underneath the bodywork. And it was from like the early 90s. It looks like it's got like leg shields like a scooter does. And it has this sort of like art deco sort of 50s-ish something like, you know, very curvy bodywork. Interesting. I, I, I told him it looked like a PC-800 and a Suzuki like TU had a baby. And then that baby went back to the 1950s. <laughs> like it was it's really in, like odd looking. And I, I was like, oh, I,
1: I'm I, looking I, at it right now.
0: Yeah, I told him I kind of want one now that I've seen it. And he said, uh, if you buy, if you find one, I'll buy it. Just bring it home when you come back from Japan. <laughs> so like, all right, noted.
1: This thing is butt ugly, man. It's right up your alley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do love ugly bikes. This is like, what did you, it's,
1: it's like a PCH. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's got like the sort of extra built in side, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I, I, it's it's weird looking. It's like a cream
1: It looks color. more like a scooter than it anything. Does. It, it yeah. really
0: does. It's like a, but you know, it's not a step through. It has like a regular motorcycle tank and the engines in the regular motorcycle place. Yeah.
1: I but mean, it, it definitely looks like, you know, Flash Gordon-ish.
0: Uh-huh. I have no idea where you put the gas in it either because it has a frunk. Like it has a little tank. Yeah, that
1: maybe little, under the seat. I'm imagining. I guess so. I'm sure I could. Yeah, a, I see the little front trunk thing. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know what it is about it. I, and they only seem to be in one color, which is this like cream thing. It has built in the taillights are built into the the back end of it in like a very uh 57 Chevy kind of way.
1: Looks like they only made it in 92.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to have a very easy time finding one. But if I do.
1: Yeah, you're lucky you're going to get on the base and the guy next door is going to have one. I've been keeping this in my garage. I don't want it anymore.
0: That'd be cool. I'll buy that one and I'll find another one. and I'll buy that one too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Phil was like, I need to find a couple of these and bring them home. And, you know, he was in the army. So he knows that I can bring them home without having to like pay any shipping or anything. Because motorcycles just count as uh, like personal property. They don't count as vehicles, according to the military. Um, so they just, they just count against your overall weight limit of what you're allowed to move with. So,
1: and the fuel filler is
0: underneath the seat. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But it's strange looking and I kind of love it.
1: Also, how I felt about the original Katanas, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Those were real weird too.
1: Real weird looking kind of, you know, front fairing was angular and avant-garde and the Mm -hmm. Lines on the seat and the tank and everything were kind of different. And I just thought, man, this is the coolest thing. It was one of those things
0: you either loved it or hated it. I just and noticed this thing has passenger floorboards.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I, like I found it. Well, it's a, got a long seat.
0: Right. Yeah. I, but I saw a top down picture of it. And it has like these crash bars that come out around the, the back end of it. And the floorboards are like in to set inset from that. I got to find one of these just to see what it looks like in real life. It looks like a pain in the ass. To i work tell you on. what,
1: it's bigger than I thought it was.
0: Yeah. It's full there's motorcycle a, size.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but bigger than a 200. Like it's, this thing is pretty large. It, it, there's a picture of a guy sitting on one that's from a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Now keep in mind, this could be, it looks Maybe like he's
0: the, a tiny man, but
1: it looks like from Asia or something, but still it, it's a, it's not a small motorcycle.
0: No, no, it's full size for sure. And yeah, I mean, Japanese I mean, all over Southeast Asia, they're all about some small displacement bikes. So i'm not surprised
1: well it's not you know it's not a bad thing smallest placement motorcycles are great
0: yeah um i rode you know i rode a 500 cc motorcycle around the track the other day all day and it was a blast i never got over like 85 miles an hour and
1: we should talk about that in a minute i know we've got an interview to play
0: yeah um once once we finish discussing the just utter bat shittery that is this suzuki sw1 which i'm torn between showing like having the the episode image be a picture of this thing or a picture of me at the track i could just put both up and i guess it's not
1: we like photoshop this under you at the track then
0: (laughs) that's possible probably but i don't know (laughs) that i want to do that much work but it's uh i would ride the hell out of this on the track that'd be hilarious the um so there's
1: something else that comes up when i search for this called the the aramaki chimera 1957 have you seen this crazy looking thing
0: looking it up right now it looks like a a rocket ship Ooh, right i I have seen one of these before i think i've seen one in person maybe they have one in the san diego motorsports museum or auto Museum, whatever it is it's called or somewhere else i've seen one of these in a museum somewhere the airmaki chimera Mm mm-hmm Chimera. Weird. 175 thing. cc's. Chimera is a mythical creature. That's a combination of like a lion and a snake and like a bat or something.
1: I got to tell you, Crap. I always thought it was pronounced Chimera. And I've got like my studio soft boxes for that brand. I'm
0: pretty sure it's pronounced
1: Chimera. You're probably, you're probably right. I'm sure it is. My pronunciation's horrible. I just found an SW1 in red. Ooh. I wonder if that's the original it's, color. No, I think somebody painted it because it's a black to red fade. But it's got a red upholstered seat on it. And Here's a yellow one with red seats. Ah, that thing is cool.
0: And here's a silver one. They're so weird looking. It's funny because I looked up Suzuki SW1, and then there's a picture of a katana that also came up when I looked it up, <laughs> but clearly not the same thing. No. So, anyway, um, this is a thing that I'm interested in possibly finding. It looks like they're fairly rare. So, finding one for decent money might be very hard, but. I'm going to look, probably. What are,
1: what are we talking about in the price range? I have no idea, know? to be honest. Oh, so you don't even know. Mm-mm. You could get
0: there and they could be like 20 billion yen. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, which would be...
1: 35 like, cents?
0: 20, let's see, 20 <laughs> billion yen. You just lob off two zeros and you're pretty close. So it would be like $200 million. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I just remember when I was a kid and we went to Italy and they were still on the lira. Uh-huh you know, it was like a dollar was like a million lira. Right. right? Yeah. And I had like a five lira piece, Mm -hmm. you know, like a coin. I'm like, what is this worth? Like nothing. Just.
0: Yeah. When I was in Vietnam, their currency is called the Dom it's pronounced, Mm -hmm. it's spelled like dong, which is fun, but it's pronounced (laughs) kind of like Dom.
1: Uh, It'll be 12 dongs. please. (laughs) Right.
0: So their one, dom was like 0.00004 cents or something yeah (laughs) or dollars or something it it was intense it was a lot a huge difference like you could you could be really really baller in vietnam for very little money (laughs)
1: yeah italy before they went to the euro italy was like that Mm -hmm. you know yeah um so yeah i'm like we're going to portugal this month oh fun where yeah, just Lisbon. We're mm-hmm. just gonna go to one place. That's it. Nice. And um, we only have like five days. So, but I was thinking about the money over there. Then I realized it's on the euro, and the euro's st- a little bit stronger than the dollar. So it's gonna kind of suck. It's like a dollar thirty-five for one euro. Right. That's about what it was when I was over there. Yeah, I was hoping it was gonna be the other way around, like Canadian money. So I would mm-hmm. yeah, getting make, my money's worth.
0: Yeah, make out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the goal right now. Present goal is to go to Japan and find a Suzuki SW1, regardless of where it is, and then bring it home. Who knows what will happen? But that's that's current goals for Japan. Um, Car-wise, I don't know. I'm going to go get a car. I, I might just do the whole on-base, buy a $200 shitbox from somebody who's checking out and then drive that and not worry about it. When you do that, is it already
1: done with all the crap you got to have done well you're not bringing anything over so anything you buy over there anyway is japanese legal
0: so. exactly yeah right it's there's there's sort of like a parking lot full of cars that are like for sale whenever anybody's getting ready to transfer okay and it's like i show up i buy this car for 500 bucks from somebody and then when i leave i sell it for 500 bucks to the next guy and that's happened 15 times already so this car has been just lurking right. around on base for a million years
1: right do they, I, I, I'm surprised they don't have like a pool car between guys, like, you know, like four or five dudes on the same car and you just use it when you need it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't all, we, I won't live on base. So,
1: Oh, that's true. I forgot. Yeah, You're I'll be out the in town. I'm not, I yeah, won't. Yeah, yeah. So
0: like, I'm not really, I kind of have to live off base because of my status as a single person who's no longer a super junior person. Um, cause like the, the really junior person that'll live in the barracks. And then people with families, for the most part, live in the family housing that's on base. Right. Uh, but I'm neither of those, so I kind of have to live off base, which that's works cool. out because I don't yeah. really want to live on base. Right. The base isn't very close to anything. Stupid question. Live. Do the homes there have garages? Um, or like the off base? Not usually. Okay. So uh, the odds of fine, of having a garage is very slim. I I kind of. At the moment, I'm kind of hoping to find like a high rise situation that has like a parking garage. But gotcha. I, don't know, I don't know if they do that there. Like, like I know that they have high rises, but I don't know what the parking situation is like. So we will figure that out. Mm, OK. I found out that I have to take a military flight there, which I'm not super stoked about because I've been flying commercial the last few times. And I always end up on a JAL flight, which is nice and comfy. And they're nice to you and they have food and stuff and the drinks are free, but on the military flight, nothing. Bring You're your not
1: own. gonna be like in a converted C-130, are you? No, I there's no. A,
0: I think it'll probably be, a lot of times it's a chartered, like American Airlines flight, right? but they don't have any of the amenities. So right. it'll just be me on the plane with my own blanket if I bring one in my own pillow and my, you know I mean? Like having to kind of do it all by myself. What is that, like a
1: 12 hour flight?
0: thereabouts yeah I, i'm going up to seattle for the flight so i don't know what the flight time from seattle to tokyo is but it's around that 10 to 12 hours i think
1: i think i'd go a little nuts after that i mean i'd have to get up and walk around a lot
0: oh yeah we do whenever i've done that we are always like up moving around like going to the bathroom just for an excuse to get up and walk down the length of the plane stuff like that right
1: right i remember the last time i flew to italy we flew on a 747 mm-hmm. on british airways And that was nice because we, there was a lot of walking around and there was like a lounge we went to that I don't think we were supposed to be in, but we went there anyway. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was cool. And then when I flew to Montreal years ago, it was on like a wide body, like an L1011 or something like that. Yeah. And it was comfy, you know, so I don't know what we're flying over to Portugal. It's probably going to be something small.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's a good question.
1: Well, like from Florida to, to LA, I think is six hours, right?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, something like that.
1: And they fly. Marcy flies in an Airbus A319, which is like not big. No, it's small, like 145 passengers. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of room to move around in that.
0: What are, What airline are you flying to
1: Portugal? Tap. It's the Portuguese airline TAP out of it's a direct flight from Miami to Lisbon. Hmm. So
0: I wonder. I wonder what they fly. Too,
1: I don't know. I gotta look it up. I can probably find it. It might be. Maybe it's a like some sort of Boeing wide body. We'll see. Yeah,
0: or like like a seven, like a triple seven, or yeah, um, maybe even or an Airbus. Like an Airbus
1: three eighty would be really nice, but I don't. think Yeah, that's I've what never it is. flown
0: in a three eighty. I've flown in the seven eight seven a bunch of times now, going to and from yeah. Japan. The they have the like lay down flat like lounge first class seats, mm-hmm. and I've never done a first class flight. But one of my buddies did. He upgraded his ticket and sat in first class on the way home one time and he's like that was the best flight i've ever had <laughs> so good.
1: i watched a video on youtube of a guy flying um emirates air mm-hmm. in their one of their first class cabins that was like these pods kind of yeah like you sit in a pod sort of mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's the, yeah. the dream the 77 is that's one of the, kind of one of their standard configurations It's these little pods that you yeah chill out in yeah
1: and you had like a killer gourmet meal and stuff it was really wild Hot towels, slippers, a robe—like Jesus. Yeah,
0: yeah. And not concierge service, but Air Emirates has. They probably—I wouldn't, if I had to guess who has the best first class. That I wouldn't be surprised if it's them, because you know all the people in Dubai and everything with yeah way too damn much money.
1: <laughs> right. So. They're like even their staff flies first class on another airline. You know, like right. Yeah. 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 No, the guy was saying something like the ticket was like ten grand or some kind of crap like that. I was like, wow. Right. So. I'm Um, not going to bitch. Our ticket's like $200 because we just pay the tax. Right. That's it.
0: Yeah. That's a nice deal. Yeah. So, motorcycle things that we have done, I have done. I, uh, everything I've done lately has involved my friend Don, who lives up in LA and me. In fact, on the interview. So, at the end of this little long intro, there's an interview that I did with a man named Brady Walker, who's the organizer of Classic Track Day. It was, we had a great time talking. Brady's been on the show before um i also instigated by don pretty much and uh, we talked a lot about don during the interview too but don is my Mm -hmm. friend who gets me involved in motorcycle stuff in la area and he wanted to come down and do a ride around these like sort of like there's some mountains just east of san diego that the riding is really good and so he and a couple friends came down and then me and another local san diego guy all got together i rented a 2018 vstrom 1000 And to be honest, I never felt like I was missing much from my KTM because one of the people on the trip was on a sidecar. So we weren't going fast anywhere anyway. (laughs) Um, And that thing was super smooth. Like there was I was accidentally going 100 miles an hour down the interstate when I was going over to meet them because I was in such like a nice comfy bubble from the wind that I was like, oh, shit, I'm I'm going too fast. I need to slow Uh down.
1: I'm my, I've always had a theory that that bike is the most underrated motorcycle, even from the very beginning, from when they first started selling them. Cause I had the first year model DL right.
0: 1000. Yeah. It was great. I had zero complaints, adjustable windshield. I only, I only missed cruise control. That was the only thing that I wanted to have, but right. didn't have.
1: Right. Do the new ones have it? I don't think they do.
0: I don't know. I, I think you can probably get, I think you can get cruise control on the new ones. They ha, the new ones have like an IMU and like it's the, got the like TFT
1: displayed too. I think on the new one, you know, the, yeah. and this is the thing. If you don't have a big budget, like you're looking at, and I don't mean a hardcore off-road adventure bike, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, just a do it all you know some gravel roads, highway, going to the grocery store. V-Strom is where it's at and that is a great motorcycle. For sure. And it's a Suzuki. It's dependable, there's dealers everywhere. You know, you don't have to worry about trying to find a dealer, you're not going to pay crazy rates like with Ducati or BMW. It's just a fantastic bike and I think a lot of people for whatever reason ignore it when they're shopping for a motorcycle.
0: Right. But, yeah. Um
1: I'm trying to I kind of wish they I kind of wish that Suzuki made That configuration of motorcycle in a more of a like gold wingish type bike, like a touring bike. Well, they did make one years ago and I can't remember what it was called. They had a kind of a full dresser tour bike, but to build that in like a, you know, like an, instead of like an RS version, maybe right the V-Strom, it'd be pretty neat, I think.
0: So yes, the new, the new version, the 10, the V-Strom 1050 does have cruise control.
1: Okay, good. what are they, what are they MSI, MSRPing at?
0: it would be cool if oh there it is 13399
1: yeah not bad
0: yeah very capable bike you know you the regular base model does not have spoke wheels if that's a, if that matters to you but there's many other versions there's the uh there's the 1050 and then there's the the 1050 XT adventure which has you know the the boxes and all that sort of stuff and that's 16999 for the adventure which has all the things, traction control, cruise control, right, 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 wire, right. metal cases, handguards, spoke wheels.
1: Good-looking bike, too. Like, yeah. I mean, they fixed I've, the goofiness in yeah, the front. I hate the, I mean, that. The, the
0: 2018 that I rode, ugly, terrible-looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was that Woody Woodpecker look that Yeah, they had. the beak. Yeah, the current one has a very, like, sharp, print, like, pointed beak that, you know, lines up with the top line of the tank very well. And I think looks really good. Yeah, and
1: if you're a fan of the Suzuki racing colors, you can get it in Suzuki yellow, which is pretty neat. They've never offered it like that before.
0: Yeah, the one that I had was like a – the one that I rode was like a high-vis yellow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was was definitely ugly, but I didn't have to look at it while I was riding it. So
1: Um,
0: the same guy that I rented the bike from actually has like a whole fleet of bikes on Ridershare and Twisted Road and so we had this whole big conversation because i had been renting bikes with both of those services for a long time and he was like yeah i noticed this is your first time actually riding someone else's bike i was like yeah i've never needed to do it because i already i always had a bike or two to use until now and he had he had an aprilia rs660 which i'm a little bit tempted to go just rent for a day just to see what it's like yeah because i've heard that it's basically what I, well from what for anybody that I've heard talk about it has said that it's basically the most uh the most comfortable and like street riding uh friendly 600-ish cc sport bike. It's a parallel twin. They apparently you know, it's got a t- all the technology that you know that you would expect out of a high-end sport bike. So, you know, IMU, good traction control, slipper clutch, all the fancy gizmos, quick shifter, whatever, but it's a little 660. So, To be honest, after going to the track day that I went to, part of me wants to get one as a track bike. Really? Because I think it would be perfect.
1: I know, but aren't you worried about like it's... Wouldn't you want to get something like an SV650 that's already been on the track and yeah, got like race a, panels are you know race wear already on it and
0: yeah yeah eventually probably that probably like the first stepping stone but once the once the rs660s are able to be had for used money then it's
1: yeah good. well the only other thing is the damn dealer network is so hard to find in most cases and i don't know yeah that's true yeah like you know doug's buying a an aprilia and he's getting it from the same dealer that used to do the service on the Moto Guzzi, and i hate going down there sure it's just it's in the heart of miami there's no there's no back door to this place so it's like in a little strip shop and they got to put a ramp out the front door to try to get bikes and there's nowhere to park you're on a busy street
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's like it would be as if you were going into like manhattan you know to a bike dealer yeah this is a cool bike i just to me if i was going to get a track bike and i've thought a lot about this it would be somebody else's bike like a nighthawk or an SV650 that was ready to go you know yeah had-
0: I, I rode on, on this particular track day so I did the the final classic track day of the year. I don't know what year this bike is but it's a Honda CBR 500 mm-hmm. it's a newer you know CBR 500 for sure you know fuel injected all that stuff um, and it has the full race fairing and everything no no headlights no turn signals it's just it is just a track bike and on the tiny because we were on a small track it's called the streets of willow at the willow springs international raceway and it's Mm -hmm. a very twist like tight technical track where my 500 cc bike is perfectly at home with much larger you know leader bikes and stuff like that because they get bogged down in the corners anyway
1: right and then you gotta you're trying to pull that weight out of the corner so right and also it's
0: a track day so i'm not trying to race anybody you know i was just right. trying to get around the track and not fall over mm,
1: they get kind of competitive
0: though they do and we did a little bit but it wasn't it wasn't the, the the atmosphere of brady's track day is very uh open and chill and relaxed and yeah people get out on the track and get competitive but it's not crazy you know right. And they're they're, they're very they're, they have a very high focus on letting anybody bring whatever wacky crap they want to ride around the track to the track i mean there was there were guys on 1250 gs's on the track there was a harley bagger and not like a bagger cup bagger like a an actual like from the harley factory just like ultra classic or some crap i don't know what i don't know that's funny man
1: people are out there cruising around on those things
0: yeah there were a couple harleys um there were a bunch of r9ts because there was an r9t club that showed up for the thing it was super fun. Had a great time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like the track days in South Florida. Every time I've ever gone to one, it's just guys on like GSXRs, CBRs, and they're all like trying to kill each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's more know? the like dude bro crowd.
1: Yeah. Which like in their they interview for track
0: day, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah. And in, in the interview, uh, Brady talks about how he had that experience with his going to track days, and he was like, "I don't like this. I want to do something different." So he started his own because he was sick of doing dealing with people like that right and right had a great time so i'm super excited to hopefully get back on the track when i get back or maybe even find like a little mm. track day situation in japan to go to every now and then
1: which they may have you know would be kind of cool i mean i've been jonesing to do it i did that i did a couple of um what do you call them it's like the, the step underneath the track day it, it's almost like the equivalent of a parade lap Oh uh, yeah sure and uh, I was like, man, this is a lot of fun. I just don't want to do it on the Moto Gucci because I'm too, like, worried about wrecking the thing, yeah. you know, and trying to find replacement parts. So, for a while, I was on a kick looking at bikes and, you know, for a couple grand, I could get something that was ready to go. Yeah. yeah you know,
0: but. Uh, Especially with the SV650, like, that's kind of like the. the
1: standard kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: like a great or, you know, a GS500 or something yeah. like that. But yeah they're all over the
1: place guys have raced them you know and then they the only thing i i, I worried about was how fresh is the motor
0: you know like has this guy been over revving this thing and sure but um on the bright spend, side i mean and, money, and if you're buying a track bike you don't need a real title like a salvage title's fine you know yeah. it doesn't matter
1: yeah they don't care as long no as as long as fine. it. yeah no you don't have to have a title as long as the bike makes tech exactly. that's all they care about right yeah
0: um yeah so that, that it mean, was a super fun experience my first track day
1: yeah, cool. Well, we're gonna hear about it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Me and Brady yeah. ended up
0: talking for like an hour. I'd say Brady did like ninety percent of the talking because he's one of those people that like you ask one question and he goes for forever, which was great. Like I, that was exactly what I wanted. I, I didn't need to be talking the whole time. So,
1: all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a shout out for I know we haven't talked about this, but a, I'm gonna do a little PSA here about your hearing in your ears. Oh yeah. I wanted because to I've have earplugs at the
0: track, but I forgot.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to recommend, I know in a lot of states, it's illegal to have earplugs in, which to me is just stupid. Break because, the law. anyway.
0: Yeah. It, it's <laughs> Just do it.
1: And even you can get ones from like Surefire that allow certain sounds in yep. and then block out other sounds only because I'm going through this thing now trying to get hearing aids. And I got to tell you the amount of damage that I've done to my ears. And it's not just from
0: motorcycles, but it's
1: from my career and everything else I've ever done. But
0: yeah, I mean, you were into shooting sports and stuff.
1: Yeah. For a long time. And the first, you know, 10 years I was on the fire department, we didn't have hearing protection. We were in open cab trucks. It was brutal. But I went the other day to Costco to get another hearing test and Make a long story short, they wouldn't sell them to me because I have asymmetrical loss, So I've got to like get a doctor to sign off on it, which is really stupid because I've already had all these tests. But I demo these things for like 10 minutes in the store and I cannot begin to tell you how much I've been missing. Like I live in a world of like, you know, muddled sound and these things were unbelievably amazing. So the only thing reason I'm saying this is I don't want anyone who's listening to us, especially somebody who's new to motorcycling to not to discount this and say like, we're, you know, even goes back to not having a helmet on just the wind noise alone is enough to cause damage yeah even so, you know, if you have a quiet helmet
0: yeah that, you know it's i will say speaking of helmets really quick a little bit of a diversion i i had two drastically different experiences with the same helmet recently what happened so i right now the only helmet i have here is my AGV K6, the mm-hmm. the one with the fancy paint job from my friend Nicole that has like the Phoenix painted on the side of it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's a cool helmet. Thank you. And I, sidebar to a sidebar, I meant to not ship all my helmets to Japan and all my motorcycle gear, but I forgot to separate it when the movers came. And so all of my motorcycle gear went to Japan. So I now will have way more than I need. But anyway, so I just have the one AGV helmet. When I rode on the Suzuki for like a whole day, i was getting a lot of pain like in the front part of my forehead by the end of the day i was like it was kind of that feeling where it like starts like the pain is like leaking down into the rest of your face where Mm -hmm. like my eyes were starting to hurt from my forehead and every time we would stop for a break i'd pull my helmet off immediately to like let it like ease up and i was really confused because i've ridden with that helmet before and not had the issue and then on the track nothing it felt perfect um the it was like it felt great like super aerodynamic feeling like real slippery not like my awry which kind of always has like turbulent air um which i think is related to the round shape but i was just really confused and i i I think i have to chalk it up to like the windshield position on the kt or the the suzuki compared to the track bike because you know when i was kind of in a tuck and i was getting the right kind of airflow over the helmet it was probably not making the helmet smash against my face in a in a way that i didn't you know, that was going to make my head hurt.
1: Were you, Was your chin up against the tank? Were you that tucked?
0: No, I was, I, it was one of those situations where like, you feel like you're really in a tuck. And then I right. saw the photos that the photographer that was there ta- took. And I right. was like, nah, I'm not tucking at all. I mean, I'm tucked in some, but not as much as I could have been for sure. Right, right. I could have gotten my butt a lot further back in the seat and then like laid out on the tank a lot more.
1: Yeah, it takes a little getting used to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what I was, you know, needed to be doing and really. Uh, so I didn't have, like, you know, nobody, nobody was telling me, Hey, you know, do this with your butt so that you can get yourself laid out more. Also, right. it was attractive. Who cares? I wasn't going to win.
1: No. And it's just really more about getting the feel for lines and breaking points and stuff like that. Right. You know,
0: I did drag my boot briefly, which made me uh, pucker a little bit because <laughs> right. I leaned over far enough and I wasn't, uh, I, I could have, if I'd had my butt in the right position, I could have like hung off the bike a little more and stood the bike up straighter and then probably wouldn't have even drug a knee at that point. But I didn't do that. I was like kind of centered on the bike. And so the bike had to lean a lot further to make the turn and the outer edge of my boot scraped the ground. That's kind of cool. I was like, Ooh, I got over real far.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, Christopher Valentino Rossi Ashmore here.
0: Yeah, no, (laughs) The, the doctor, I am not. Right. Um, I have not been through. Uh, I have not graduated or a like single school. Marquez like dragging the entire side of his body. Oh, you know, I know. Like, yeah, like yeah. dragging his shoulder.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's almost like a bike. It's almost like he's got invisible little training wheels underneath the bike, holding <laughs> it up as he's going through a corner. Yeah, because he's just
0: yeah, like I, fully laying yeah. on the ground.
1: No, it's incredible. And I and I when I when, when Marquez first made the that series MotoGP the the premiere series i was like yeah man i'm not a fan of this guy i don't like him and then the more i watched the guy race the more i was like oh this guy's great you know like yeah
0: i agree i I did not i was not pleased Um, right and then because i yeah and then like somebody like danny pedrosa i also was not like super i was like no because i at that point valentino was the only one i didn't care about anybody else like i mean nikki hayden was still racing then when i was kind of paying attention to MotoGP, and so like i paid attention to nikki and to colin edwards but like yeah. valentino was the one and then
1: colin and a lot of these guys are like larger than life and colin edwards is one of them and so is so is valentino you know like his mm-hmm. his even in like europe all the ads he does for clothing and you know yeah like, fragrances and Gabbana, and,
0: all that sort of yeah stuff.
1: it's just like this guy is like a character like he's something else and he's but then my all-time favorite is Max Biagi. and really, he, yeah, yeah, I was a big Biagi fan. Interesting, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hated Biagi. Everybody does, <laughs> right? <But> I liked <laughs> him a lot. You know who I equate? Have you watched any of the Ted Lasso? Absol- series? Yeah, all of it. Okay, so Max Biagi is Roy Kent.
0: Okay, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. He definitely 100%. has that abrasive, yeah, um, but but like very proficient,
1: right? Yeah, I just love the guy, man. <laughs> love right. him. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah that's i'm looking forward to hearing the interview
0: um the the season i remember the season casey stoner won uh championship and that Mm -hmm. season was just one kind of amazing you know because like casey's from australia he was like a very new rider and then on that ducati that year and it was the year they had changed the rules they'd gone from 990 to 800 like it was Mm -hmm. the first year of the 800 i think where it was just he just got lucky everybody else had kind of the, the combination of bike and rider hadn't quite been dialed in yet. And his was just the right one. And he just crushed And a it.
1: lot of what I read too, from that first season where people were really having use, getting, having trouble getting used to the electronics on that 800 yeah. and, just the way the bike worked with the frame and the dynamics of it, which was kind of weird, and like you said, Stoner just put it all together.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was just it was just kind of crazy because they they changed from the nine ninety to the eight hundred, and it was just everything was completely fair game. You know, nobody mm-hmm. nobody was you know I, at an advantage. I can't
1: remember. That point. There was an interview with I mean, it was an American rider, and it wasn't Colin Edwards. It was somebody else who's like one of these top developmental riders that yeah. all the like the frame or the tire companies would use and this guy could give you just incredible feedback, but he was talking a lot about that. Yeah. That change. Yeah. Uh, I miss, I should get back to watching MotoGP. I haven't watched in a long time, but that's a bucket list trip. And we ought to talk about this at some point is to go see a race.
0: Yeah. I, um, I don't, obviously I won't be in the United States for a while, but I would love to go see one at circuit of the Americas
1: that, um, or I'm even thinking San Marino, you know, or, um, Catalonia, like yeah, that'd be super. cool If that. we can make it happen, that would be an incredible little vacation to yeah. go. <clears throat> Isn't there a race in Japan or not?
0: Mugello. I don't. I don't know if they're right. still racing in Mugello, but there's there's a couple of tracks in Japan. I don't remember which ones they do every like when. uh I also don't know what they I don't know what their schedule is. Their season is because I'll be gone like every summer.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't even know who's in that you know class right now. I have no clue. I haven't paid attention to it at all.
0: Yeah. So I, every now and then I'll hear somebody usually like Don or somebody else mention something and I'll go, yep, they still yeah. race <laughs> or I'll hear a name that I know. And I'm like, Oh, he's still racing.
1: Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know Rossi retired. I know yep. that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I'm surprised he's not doing something with world rally, you know, yeah. cause I know that he might own part of a team I thought, or maybe get involved with a team in the Dakar. So,
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's about all the motorcycle stuff I have to talk about that I did that I'm not gonna. You're not gonna then hear me talk about again uh, at the track. Mine's day. pretty
1: uneventful. I'm still on the search for the next bike. I'm definitely gonna sell the KTM once I get it fixed. I yeah. still can't figure out. I went over there the other day and tried to muster around with it and cannot get it to start because of the brake switch issues. I need to take it over to the local guy, but for sure, yeah. I'm I keep looking at YouTube videos and talked to christy farrell the other day who used to be with motorific um you know she's hot on a on a uh, wants to get a multi that i'm i'm not going to go down that ducati road i want to get something different so what uh it, when it may you say still somebody... be an electric bike oh yeah yeah maybe maybe a zero you know i the i think the pan america is out of the running i'm just underwhelmed by it i yeah. don't really care
0: so um yeah, really the the motorcycle relief project that does the you know therapy motorcycle yeah, yeah, ride things yeah, yeah. for veterans and first responders and stuff. They had a guy recently come on their very the first Pan America showed up because you can bring your own bike if you want. Right. So they had a guy come on a Pan America. It did not survive. Really? Yeah. I don't know what happened. I just saw posting in like the Facebook group we have that was like, "Hey, somebody showed up on their first Pan America," and then like the next day they're like, "And it's on the truck." <laughs>
1: I would love to have that guy on for an interview.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I mean, I would like to get any owner on that's sure. got a Pan America just to talk about it. Well, I can definitely find him. So find, find him and let's talk about it. Yeah, I can, I can get him. You might not want to talk about it, but we want to talk about it. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully he learned some good tips for relaxing during his uh, therapy motorcycle ride and had a good natured reaction to right. his Pan America taking a crap. Um, it didn't look like wrecked or anything. It just, Look like something but, but let, broke.
1: Let's be honest. That can happen to anybody.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
1: right. Okay, but I'm still interested to hear what the guy thinks about the bike in general.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay, well. Ready um, for the interview. All right. Get out and ride if you have something to ride, which I don't, but you should get out yeah. and ride.
1: I can't right now. I don't have anything to ride except the bicycle. All right, see ya. <laughs>
0: Bye. All right everybody, Crash here with Brady from Ramming Speed. How are you? Doing great Christopher, how are you doing? I'm good. Like really really good. Um lots of preparations for the move to Japan are done, which you and I were just discussing a little bit uh and some of the hiccups also involved, but mostly really good. And uh you we, we had you on a while ago. It seems like friggin' a cr- couple of years ago. Yeah, it was like pre-COVID. Right, it was. And I COVID has completely messed up my concept of time. Like, in the one hand, it feels like it just happened, like we just recorded. But then it also feels like it was 10 years ago.
2: Uh, So, (laughs) Well, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I love talking to people that I don't see for years, and we just pick up where we left off like it was yesterday. So that's the... got lots of relationships like that so
0: yeah so the last time you were on we talked about uh the classic track day that you organize the days that you organize uh, mm-hmm. and just this past uh saturday sunday i got to participate in one of those thanks to our mutual friend don yeah um, don's a good guy He is a very very good guy uh i don't mm-hmm. think i would have done half of the la area motorcycle stuff that i have done without don <laughs>
2: He is an instigator and um, he is just like, I I I can't say anything else besides he's just a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. I love hanging out with Don. There's no bullshit at all. And uh, we just laugh and laugh and laugh. And uh, he does, he does get out there. And I don't know what he does with his life, but it seems like all the hip events, uh, he'll, he'll end up being there. And I know that if I run solo to some event, which I haven't been doing in years, I can always find Don and post up against the wall somewhere and laugh yep. at everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: so, what is classic track day for the uninitiated?
2: All right, classic track day is a track day event, real live road racing. Uh, we have had, uh, we have done um, flat track before, but it's more of a road race thing. Uh, not even racing; it's a track day. So essentially, um, when people think of track days, they think of modern inline for high displacement water-cooled bikes. And that's what 99% of people run at most track days.
0: Yeah, your R1s, your Gixxer 1000s.
2: Yeah, take your pick.
0: There's a lot of big,
2: fast, very spectacular, awesome 150-plus horsepower machines that are out there. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that will run with the medium and, and small displacement bikes, too, that are modern. Um, and, uh, Caroline and I, my better half, we have been doing racing, vintage racing for, I've been doing it for maybe about 10 years and she's been doing it since we've started dating. So I'm like, you got to come with me to the track and then now you've got to go get a bike and now you've got to race. And, uh, (laughs) uh, and really what happened was, is, uh, we have a couple of races that I used to go race with, um, an organization called Arma. It's called the American historic racing motorcycle association. So About 80% of their classes are all vintage and then they have some modern support classes, but I would go and do a couple of rounds in the Midwest. I would go to the Barber Vintage Festival in Birmingham, Alabama. and
0: That's a bucket list thing for sure for me.
2: Oh my gosh. It's tons of fun. Yeah. You got to go to Barber. Barber at least once, but it's just, we've made so many friends over the years. But um, Have you been to AMA Vintage Days in Ohio? no mid-ohio i have oh, not yet gone but that's, that's that's one i'm gonna go to i hear it always rains and turns into a big mud pit but um, that just makes me um, some more excited to go it's <laughs> yeah, it like
0: wanton debauchery it is so much fun
2: <laughs> barbers the same way um We would go down uh, because usually you have to do a you have to at least do one practice and they do practice on Thursday and Friday because it's huge grids and people are killing each other out there and being numbskulls. So they make you do a practice. But if you do one, you don't have to do the other. So we would try and get in there early and do a practice on Thursday, have Friday off and then race Saturday, Sunday. And we would go down to the swap meet cause it's just acres and acres of cool stuff. And we met some, um, some moonshiners from Tennessee that restore small mini bikes, mostly Z's. I mean, the, the nice stuff that he's got for sale is six, $7,000 and he's got just about everything. And they're total nerds, just weird as hell. But we met them and they're <laughs> like, would you like some moonshine? And I'm like with Caroline, cause they're all over Caroline. I'm sort of the background because they don't want to talk to me. You know, Caroline's a tall drink of water. So I'm just like, go get the moonshine. So um, we met them and within an hour we were having a hoot and so for years and years after that we would always go and it's been funny that the last few times we've gone we're more excited to go see Tennessee Tony and and his (laughs) gang and go drink moonshine because we would get we would just get off the chart hammered it's just a different experience anyway um, that's what that's what makes it fun for us and so we've been actually more interested in um, going and hanging out doing that than the actual racing but one of the things you have to realize that if you're actually serious about racing and it's a lot of money, it's a lot of time and effort Mm -hmm. and uh, whatnot, it's a real bummer to go to the track. Like I see a lot of people do and the bike's not working and then you don't get to race and you spent all that time and money. You look like an idiot. So we have to go to a track day, something local in Southern California before I load up my bikes and drive them all the way over there. And I can't remember who the people were that we went to this afternoon. Well, the first time that it was weird was I I went to Fontana and I believe that was fast track riders. And so here we are at, Fontana, which is a very, very fast track, and I show up a little bit late, but I have an SR500, a 79, 500 single cylinder piece of crap turd. Mm-hmm. It's a great little bike, but it's nothing like what they were riding. They all had modern superbikes, And not only were the people in the paddock giving me weirdness, the organizers were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I explained my situation. I got to make sure my bike is running properly before I take it. Can I please run my bike? But the whole day was really weird. Left a bad taste in my mouth. The next time we did it was actually at Big Willow. And again, we were going somewhere. And so I had both Caroline and myself out there. Big Willow is a fast track too. It's a very fast, it's the fastest track in the West, nine turns um, go fast as hell. It's great. And I, I, uh, we actually rented a garage and, um, I'm in there and Caroline's bike, we couldn't give it, get, get, get it to start. I mean, we barely got it out of the trailer. And so I went to the organizers cause I already had taken care of my bike through tech. And I said, listen, she hasn't gone through tech. The bike's not working. Can you, can you maybe can you give us a refund or something? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh, really, and he's like, well, we'll give you 50% off for the only the next track day. And I looked at him and I said, don't worry about it. Keep it. We're heading out. And it was at that moment, I walked back to the garage and I looked out there and I said, I'm over this crap. I'm going to find out what it needs, what I need to do to have my own track day, because this is BS. And I know if that I'm feeling this way, there's other people that feel this way too. Uh, Most of my friends are all armor racers and uh, we all have vintage bikes. And uh, I said, I'm going to organize a track day. And so I got with Willow Springs and they said, here, if you come come on this day, we'll give you the track for free. It's going to be 150 degrees. (laughs) No one wants to be out here. And I said, okay, and got everything organized. And this is probably five or six years ago now. And we did it and it was fun. And I I think I might've broken even on the whole thing just because I didn't have to pay for the track, but you have to have your ambulance and insurance and workers and all that kind of stuff. But we threw it all together and it was kind of fun. And so we did another one the following year and then it started to seem like we might be able to do more. So uh, this year in 2021, I believe we did four events, which is pretty much right where my um, right where my numbers are for people to continue to be excited Um, And we not only reach out to people who have vintage bikes, but people who have odd bikes, people have small displacement bikes, people who are scared to go to Fontana and get run over by a bunch of these guys on these big, scary, scary leader bikes. And um, what we found, especially during the last three years, is that we're, we've actually created a really cool thing, uh, uh, a, a, a network of really nice people, nice people like Don. Um, they come out to all the track days, and if I don't see them for one, they'll be at the next one, but we've created this this whole, this really, really neat thing that's almost a... Uh, a refuge for anybody who wants to get on the track not to become the fastest person in the world but what about they want to learn more about themselves and their motorcycles what if they've got a like a GS 1200 adventure bike what if they've got a uh, an XR 125 or you know some little two stroke thing what if they've got a cop bike what if they just found this bike on the side of the road and they want to drive it around uh, we've given them refuge to come out and we've created an environment that's, um, safe and inclusive. And, um, we're not gonna, you know, chase people off because they're not, uh, they're, they don't have a pink Mohawk or are not drinking enough Red Bull today, or just aren't mean assholes. And I'm really, really proud of the whole thing because I've been, I've been approached by different, different, I guess, uh, sponsoring people people different businesses that want to buy it or who put their name on it or this or that and I've 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 held this close to my close to my um self over the last few years and I'm really glad I have because no one's been able to tell me what to do. We have been able to go out there and really prove everybody wrong. And at the end of the day, what you saw, what we happen happened on this last Sunday. We had about 140 riders of all different mixed, uh, mixed levels. We saw so many bikes. There were about a half a dozen. I do let modern modern leader bikes in after I vet them and sort of let them know what's going on and make sure that all the older bikes and small displacement bikes get in first. Right. Um but at the end of the day, everyone really listened. I think this was one of the first ones we haven't we had a new um, control crew out there that was really taking names and they were really, you know, you know, telling people don't don't do that or don't. We're not like, you know, there's a time and a place to go in there and you know, you know, have fun with your buddies and you know, pass them with six inches on the inside, you know, on your I'm bike. looking
0: at you Sam.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sam,
0: <laughs> our uh, other I, mutual friend.
2: Yes. I love Sam too. And Sam's enthusiastic and Sam's another reason why this, this thing has grown um, with, along with a couple other people I would love to mention at some point, but um, you know, there's a time and place for all of that. And that's what I tell people. I say, listen, this is not. This is not a place where you're going to go out there and 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 we're not going to allow you to beat the track record or win our track day. It's just not what we're trying to do here. And if we see you doing it, we're going to give you a warning. And if you get a second warning, you're going to pack up and go. Uh, one of my favorite stories was I had a couple of guys just wanting to get out to the track a few years ago, and they were fast riders with modern bikes. And I vetted them, and I said, listen, this is what we're trying to do here, and this is what we're you know what's going on. And he goes you know what? I don't know if that's our scene or not. And let me call my buddy and I'll get back to you. He calls back a day later. He says, you know what? We'll come out and try it. And I, I remember saying hi to them or whatever. And they came out because essentially when people get out there, it's like, we got to go as fast as we can and prove something. I don't know, get my lap times down or, you know, beat the guy in front of me around the track. I, I don't know, what the, what, what, you know what, what the main goal for so many people are, but a week later he called looking for photos and I asked him, I said, hey, what did you think about this? And he goes, you know, we were so skeptical at first and throughout the day we we're probably running somewhere between 78, 70 to 80% capacity as far as speed and everything goes. And we had the most fun at any track day we've ever been to in our lives. And I said, that is awesome. I don't think they ever came back, but at least they had the best track day of their lives and they wanted to go be miserable. Some other track day organization. Good for them. But that's the kind of stories I get back from people when they come to these events. I um, was speaking with a, uh, a gal named Jenna who runs a little clothing operation called Stellar. And we've been friends for a long, long time. She's all part of the hip. She's in the hip crowd with all the hip girls and all the leaders. And I saw them at the. IMS show and Jenna came up and she goes, so when are we going to do a uh, stellar classic track day? And I said, well, why don't you just come out and do classic track day? And I said, we have lots and lots of girls that come into our track days all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, we're nervous about it. And this and that. And I said, well, if you're serious, come on out Sunday and you guys can run around. You can get there early in the morning, watch what we do for our riders meeting. Listen to the, listen to what's going on. Get a feel for how scary this really is or intimidating it really is. And then at noon, I'll send you out on the track. For free. And you can just go out there and ride a few laps with what we call the taste of the track. It's just a little, you know, four, four, four laps around the track at lunch for people in street gear. Just sort of like check it out and say, I rode at Willow. Um, unfortunately, she never came out. So who knows? Maybe she'll go do a stellar thing somewhere else. But I'm always willing to go out of my way to get new people to the track and um, give up money. <laughs> you know, essentially, I'll give. I'll, 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 I'll keep you. You can keep your money. Just come out and check it out because I know for people who are serious and who really are into this, it's like crack cocaine. Oh yeah, like, look at this. And I know that you, I, you came up to me after the track day, and you're. <laughs> I couldn't wipe that grin off of your face.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this was my first track day ever.
2: What did you think about all of it? What did you What did you come away with? And uh, or your reality? Reaction to what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. So I had never really thought about what, uh, another track day organization might be like until you started talking about what they're like. And I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, cause I know what the average, um, you know, sport bike rider is kind of like, and I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that individual, but those, that sort of like, you know, Red Bull fueled, uh, bro culture sort of situation, um, which I probably would have been, I would have had a f- fun if I had gone to a more traditional track day, but i had no ability to argue with this track day the price was great i didn't have to bring a bike because don let me borrow his bike uh nice. alpine stars let me borrow their leathers so i was like okay there's basically no barrier to entry here i just got to drive to the track and everything Give me a couple bucks everything couple will bucks be provided for you yeah and so,
2: so if I, only you had so many friends like that
0: i know it was amazing um and then we did to the, do everything yeah, the first lap, I'll say I was I was nervous. The first lap, I've the only track I've ever been around before was uh, I guess Adams Motorsports Park, the the go kart track okay. for SoCal Supermoto, um, which I'll tell you. In contrast, the vibe at SoCal Supermoto is much more like stuff each other in the corners, but it's very fun. Um, but yeah so classic track day get out on the on streets of willow on this cbr 500r and i don't really ride sport bikes much so i'm not super used to that position this was the first time i had ridden that motorcycle over like 20 miles an hour <laughs> so um just following along behind don the first way around and it was after like two laps i was in I was like okay this is i can i do this all day until i die <laughs> like Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, it was phenomenal. And the vibe with everybody else there, there was it was like you said, super inclusive and welcoming. Um there were some really old wacky-looking motorcycles out there that uh it, it was almost like you'd you'd kind of come around them on the track and like, "Hold on a minute. Let me let me slow down and take a look at this thing. Like, wow, that's you're you're, you're driving that around the track. You are not keeping that in a museum. <laughs> that is amazing." <laughs> Yeah, there was
2: some. There was a couple of nice bikes out there.
0: Yeah, it was really cool, and uh, I got some cool photos because I brought my camera. And speaking of women on the track, I got a pretty cool photo of Mickey uh, with oh, her yeah. ponytail flapping in the wind she's awesome yeah um so it, yeah, i thought it was a super great experience i could not recommend classic drag day more like the,
2: well i appreciate everything that. about I it i feel this i feel the same way about um all of that and i think that um one of the reasons is is it's successful is because i'm not just focusing on the bikes and feeding ego like you know i uh the biggest thing, is, I say, leave the ego at home. And now I don't have to explain it to more because I've got, I've aligned with some really great people, but it really is about the people. When I was racing back in the day, it's been a little while, um, for me to go out with Arma, but, um, I was traveling doing six, seven races a year, if not more all over the country doing this. And it was, I would always say, I wonder I'm doing, am I doing this more for the racing or for more from the camaraderie? Cause I couldn't wait to get done with my race and grab a beer and go talk <laughs> with everyone and be like, that was so cool. Right. Having a good time and having fun with it. Um, but because of who we are and because of, uh, you know, I had been and already been in the motorcycle world for long before classic track day started here in Southern California. So I knew lots of people. But, um, you know, your your reputation will follow you at some point, and it, you know, I just know this in all the industries I'm in. And I got lucky because I've got a lot of really good friends that um have followed me and helped out without even being asked. For instance, Mickey, uh, she um. Uh, she was dating um, my buddy, Jeff, who was part of the VVMC. And I don't even know who this girl is. And she's like, I'm coming out and I'm riding. And I I saw Jeff, I I remember now, I saw Jeff at the track. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm here with my girlfriend. I'm like, huh? I said, are you riding? And he goes, no, no, I brought my little Yamaha to tool around to the pits, but she's going to ride. And I was like, what? And she kept coming. And I said, listen, if you want to bring more people, I'll give you a group discount and we'll make it happen. Uh, Same thing with um, the Pasadena motorcycle club they bring out half a dozen of of their um of their members regularly
0: we had the r9t Um, owners group or whatever this time um
2: yeah jeff um jeff i don't want to forget i forgot his last name already but jeff is the organizer for the the r9t for people who know it's a a big old bmw It's it's a big big bike um but they brought up over a dozen people they love it at the streets everyone's a little bit wary of um big willow because yeah that's, uh, you know, you're getting well over 100 miles an hour in the turns and the straights. If you're on a fast bike, you're going very, very fast. But I would have had no of-
0: chance at keeping up with Don on Big Willow. No. Like on, on Streets of Willow, I could catch Don at the end of the track because he we have all these tight little turns and I was on the little 500, so I could yep. just like squeeze up behind him. And then the second we got to the straight, the start, finish straight, he's just gone. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's yeah. how
2: it is at most track days. Um, even even at the leader track days, you see people going out there and they're, you know, really looking like idiots in the corners. But as soon as they get the bike somehow righted and just open up that throttle so fast. And that's where it's a little bit more difficult. Like we can really manage it at the streets because the amount of corners and turns really levels the playing field for the bikes. But I was riding Caroline's CB350. I thought she was going to make it and she didn't come, but she has a little uh, CB 350 it's a 1971 mm-hmm. and i was passing people on every bike yep. just just dicing through the field and as soon as we get around to the straight you know i'd have boom boom <laughs> and then i'd yeah. be like all right i'll see you guys in a couple turns you know again <laughs> yep. um, but that's what makes it great whereas at big willow it's like big 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 speed and then on the straightaway it's really really big speed i'm still um we still have a great group of people that come out for that but we don't have as much of the uh the overall larger support but it's the those these people that enjoy it, like Sam, Sam Bendall, Mm -hmm. um, Mickey really have been helping. I am not good at social media. I mean, I can go on there and act like I know what I'm doing or, or or what I just don't have the desire to be near my phone. I wish I could, uh, I think if I could do it off of my iMac, which I know how to, I, again, I still won't do it, but for people, um, what we're going to call, I'm going to call an influencer like, um, Mickey and Sam, I'd haven't even asked them. I said, uh, Mickey's offered to help me with social media, but I'm like, I don't even have to. You guys are already doing everything for me because you already you're you're loving what's happening and right. you don't even need me to tell you. So that really helps me a lot because at the end of the day, I used to do events where I needed 5 to 10,000 people to come. When I was doing Venice Vintage, I need 5 or 7 or 8,000 people there. I know friends who run the Sierra Steakout or the uh Babe's Ride Out. You know we're talking thousands of people. At the end of the day, I really only need 100. <laughs> right. So if we can find that top 100, and then maybe throw a few more on for the cherry on the on the, on the top of the ice cream there, um, having 120 130 people come out that are just awesome in every ways from we had the youngest person that was there on Sunday was 15 and I bet you the oldest riding on the track was well into their 70s. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh and it's just a hoot. And if you keep it light and keep it fun and really, you know, one of the other things that we are we're getting into with these these people that Mickey that may not be from the vintage racing world that I'm so familiar with, but let's just call it the, the you know these uh youngsters from Los Angeles you know a lot of people might call them hipsters or whatnot but they don't have any bad habits so when we bring them into the writers meeting at the beginning of the day and we tell them this is how things are running and this is the rules and you know this is how things go if you don't want to be here leave they are nervous they don't want to get in trouble they don't want to get yelled at versus all of these other guys who have been doing it for a long time they are like i can do this i'll do whatever the fuck i want yeah I'd yell <laughs> right. at them. be like wah, 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 wah. Uh, we didn't have any we had one small crash with a guy on a modern bike and the rest of the day if anyone did anything simple our control people brought him in and said hey you know i see what you're doing just keep it cool or yeah don't do that or blah 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 and everyone just got in line and had a great time and i it was just I've been on the road for six months uh, with a whole bunch of stuff working, working for the IMS um, family in the hospital and Sunday represent. I was like, I really, really hope Sunday goes well because it's the end of the road. I'm finally done. I'm finally back in LA and the, the turnout was great. Financially, it was great. The weather was great. And then I've been talking to people like you all week who have just been really excited about it. So we're going to do we'll do four more events next year and we're going to add a little twist to it. Yeah. You guys um, have a new uh,
0: new fun thing, not just, track day for the average schmo you've got a a little racing action plan
2: well first of all we're not none of us are average schmos first of all we we all got out there and we found it that's true we all have our odd bikes and we got out there and did it we're not being um driven by ego or
0: not a not a kooky track day then a (laughs) a kooky race event
2: yes exactly so uh (laughs) so uh for 25 years now arma has come to southern california and raced at big willow and uh without any warning they took it off the schedule um for for next year and as soon as that you know i get their emails i'm part of their organization And as soon as it came out i said they're not coming back to willow springs got on the phone to willow real quick and i said hey um have you talked to them at all and they're like we've tried But no one's responded to us. And I said, well, they just released the schedule and they're not coming back. And they said, oh, wow. All right, great. Well, we'll sell it to somebody else. I said, me, 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 me. So they said, no problem. So getting a good date at Willow Springs that's consistent is really a big deal. And that's the same thing with any track. If I were to move right now to someplace like Button Willow, Chuckwalla, Thunderhill, um, they give you the dregs, you know, either a Wednesday or the super hot summer months. And I put in my dues with, uh, with Willow over the years, but I still don't get any kind of prime spots. I'm lucky enough to pick up a couple of weekends, and that's why we only have so few dates. Um, but getting this this November date
0: was great. Like,
2: but I've been there in November and it's been snowing and it's right. Yeah,
0: Right. We got real lucky. We got super lucky. Thank you. Global
2: warming. We love you. Um, but so we're going to take this weekend over and we are going to do a whole vintage festival. You know, it's been, it's been five or six or seven years since I've been doing the Venice vintage thing. I've been feeding my, um, feeding my inner, um, organizer or just feeding my inner self with working with the international motorcycle shows for the last four years. And that's kind of fun. Um, Even though it's not my event, it still takes care of that, but I'm really excited to get back to a real vintage themed motorcycle festival here in Southern California. And I'm hoping we can drag everyone from Los Angeles. So it's not just going to be a track day. It's not going to just be a road race. It's going to be a full on vintage festival, um, on a Saturday and Sunday, April 23rd and 24th. We'll run a track day on the 23rd afterwards. We'll do some mini bike mayhem, um, drag racing from 6 PM to 10 PM under the lights. Uh, live music all day long, vendor village, a big old motorcycle swap meet, and uh, if we survive Saturday, on Sunday morning we will get people out on the track and we'll actually dip into a um, a real live vintage road race. Um, you know, it's a little bit more. You know, I don't I don't even know what to expect at this point because I've been to so many races and I've seen them organized, but I'm even talking to the, some of the people that I'm asking about scoring and timing. I'm like. I don't think the people that we're trying to get out here, I know that there's going to be a huge contingent, 50, 70% of the people will have little transponders and we could run the timing loop. But for a lot of these people coming from Moto Republic, some of the people in Mickey's group, some Mm -hmm. of the people that still haven't gone out and gotten their race license, but hear about it, like the Chuckwalla Valley Racing um, Association and um, AFM is another uh, California racing circuit uh, organization. I think that we're going, we're going to just keep it as bare bones and as vintage as possible. Like I said, do we have to run a timing loop? And they're like, no. And I said, do you know people who know how to look at the bikes and score them? And they're like, yeah. And I said, great. So you go work on that. Um, I've got the race control done. And I'm so, I think it's kind of fun because I'm not trying to be ARMA. I'm not trying to be AFM. I'm not trying to be a racing club. I'm trying to do a one-off thing, but we've done it for so long. And I see the desire that First of all, I think that we'll get most of the Arma, Southern California Arma racers. They, I don't know what their plan is, um, but we're gonna say, listen, we're still gonna have a road race. You remember me, let's make it fun and have a good time and celebrate vintage motorcycles. Um, and it's not going to be about points. It's going to be out. Here's your trophy. And if someone complains and says, well, that thing happened, I'm not going to referee all this. I'm going to be like, listen, if, if you guys piss me off, then we just won't ever do it again. I don't, (laughs) it's okay. Yeah. But if we really have a really good time, there's an opportunity to maybe do it again. And then maybe if that works, we can do a little series. Maybe we do a button willow, um, big willow Chuck Walla type thing. Um, because, I've been I don't know if you get this because I don't know where you where you originally originated from. I'm a Michigan boy, but I've been in California for 25 years. I'm from Virginia. Oh, so you're from Virginia. And I've been traveling the United States with IMS this year, especially in the in the in the deep south and the southeast. And like if you mention California, there's a gun show going on um next door at one of these buildings next to where we had the IMS. And I was like, oh blah blah So what do I do? If I can do you just have to FFL this this gun to me? He's like, where do you live? I'm like, California. He's like, I won't even send it there. Fuck California. I'm like, <laughs> huh? So everyone's got this preconceived notion that everyone's a yeah. super crazy ass liberal or I don't know what else they think besides that, but or California is very expensive or this or that. I love California. Is it, do, do I like paying five grand a year in registration fees for all my vehicles? No. Do I like paying, you know, absorbent, you know, gas prices compared to everybody else? No. But at the end of the day, it's a really beautiful state. And I really would like to celebrate that. So let's just see how this goes. If I'm still having fun and it's still not costing me a lot of money and, um, and we, and we continue to grow i think that's where my future is going to lie is maybe doing a, a a little series but keep it in california i've already snagged the name classic racing california uh to sort of align with classic track day so i'm sort of putting it out there to the universe hey listen maybe in a couple of years we'll be classic crc classic racing california but for now we'll be classic track day this is kind of a, almost like a little show and tell or like a, you know, a Halloween party to say, okay, well, let's just see what we, what happens here. But I would like to get you out on the track. If you weren't moving to Japan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to come. I probably not going to do it this year, but uh, maybe we'll eventually. The next yeah. year. Um, one of the things that when we were getting ready to go out on the track, like I, I was in group three, obviously the, the newbie group and the small, the smallest displacement, you know, most inexperienced writer group where I belonged. And yes. uh, <laughs> the, Uh, Brian, the one control guy, was um was saying, you know, hey, if anybody wants to, like, uh, have some sort of, like, uh, someone show them the line, do that sort of stuff, sort of give them a little tips or whatever, then talk to him. And when we were lined up to get ready to start, Don was like, hey, he missed the, like, sighting lap, just a heads up. Like, keep an eye on him. He's his first time on the track, blah, 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 whatever. You know, looking out for me. And uh, Brian comes over, he goes, do you know how to get off the track? And I said, yes. And he goes, good. And then, uh, I don't think I saw Brian again. And I, <laughs> I think what happened was, like, I I was pretty comfortable pretty quickly and I think that he probably just saw me and was like, yeah, he he's fine. Like, no, he's not doing anything stupid. He'll be, he'll be okay. <laughs> and it was great. I couldn't couldn't have had a better experience, I don't think.
2: Well, I I love that. And yeah, Brian, we're we're always there to help. We're not going to put on this whole racing school or anything like that. I mean, there's so many organizations to do that kind of stuff. I mean, we even went to Rich Oliver's Mystery School and I've learned more about road riding through Rich Oliver's dirt class that we did for a couple of days mm-hmm. then i could ever imagine um i think all of this is is fantastic and at the end of the day you know i i i want To build something that's neat. And, uh, you know, I'm not here to be known. I mean, no one knew who I was. Uh, Only a few people knew who I was the Venice vintage thing. I never got to take the photos. I was always hiding and working and making things happen. And everyone else is taking the photos and stuff. And I still sort of like to be in the background. But at the end of the day, it's got to be fun. It's got to be worth putting in the effort and being out there all day and busting ass. But also it needs to have some kind of financial return um, so that it makes sense rather than, you know, having to pay the bills and keep the lights on. So um I think if those all those things align, we'll um, we'll keep moving forward and having fun with this. But I don't really see it stopping. Everyone had such a good time, like you said, and um, I know that if we start to do this little bit of race stuff, more people come out of the woodwork, more people find out about it, and because it, it's it's a unique thing. I mean, how many people in the in the United States even know what a fucking track day is? Right. Track day.
0: Yeah. I kept having to, uh, (laughs) like elaborate if I said, yeah, I'm going to a motorcycle track day and they were like, Oh, are you like racing? I was like, no, it's at a racetrack. But you know, I have to explain what the whole thing was to people. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was fine, whatever. But yeah, a lot of people have no idea.
2: The cool thing is, is about being in Southern California. Like we get to, you know, for people who ride, I I know there's a lot of people who ride and they say, Oh, we're going to go out on the weekends and have fun or go grab a beer or whatever. Um, I had this conversation with my uh, one of my best buddies, Scott Fabro, who's also um, my number two guy here at Classic Track Day. He's been racing for f- thirty or forty years, and he just knows what it's all about. And, um, and we ride to live. (laughs) It's not like, oh, it's raining out. I better take the car. It's like, shit, it's raining out. I better get out the rain gear because I'm not going to sit in traffic with with that. We have to split lanes and, and do all that. And, um, one of the biggest things that if for, for any of your listeners out there who are thinking about this, or really at the end of the day, it's learning about yourself and your bike. And yes, you can go do that at the Angela's crest or on the one ten here, or, you know, wherever you think you can, where maybe not many people are around, but when you're at the track, you can literally almost do anything you want. And if you fuck up, you fuck up, you hurt your bike, you might hurt yourself, but you're not going to get run over by a semi for Christ's sake.
0: Right. There's no oncoming traffic, Uh, everybody kind of knows what's up and is going to try to avoid you like
2: at their best. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, there's no cars. (laughs) There's that. There's no cars on the track. That's
2: the fun part when I'm going from, so I live in Pasadena (laughs) right now and I worked at Fox and century city. So I'm going and during rush hour, you know, I'd, I'd work nights, but when I work days, I'm going rush hour, literally door to door, stop traffic Mm -hmm. um, back and forth. And the biggest thing that these track days has given me is the confidence to know and have the intuition ahead of time I'll come down the 110 and, you know, I think I've got this 2003 R1. So it's a very, very fast bike and I've got it set up. So it's got the brakes and the suspension are really, really good. And then third of all is, you know, the acceleration is really, really good. But I've come into situations before where I believe, you know, where I almost got killed or ran into somebody, but I I believe if I didn't have the skills that I learned on the track and just that knowledge of you're going to be okay, don't slam on the brakes, just ease into it, ease into it, or, oh boy, I'm going 80 miles an hour leaned over and traffic's completely stopped in 200 feet what do you do and um for anybody who's on the fence about that if you are a daily rider there's nothing more important than going out and doing these track days a few times a year and brushing up on your skills because you can push yourself to the limit and and really learn things and if you go over the edge it's not the, you're not going to die
0: yeah because there's ambulance and there's there. like an ambulance there's... and there's mm-hmm. all this you stuff. may
2: get hurt yeah i've had people break arms before um, at our track day um and and you know break a collarbone and what have you but at the end of the day they came back and they're like that was really important for me to learn about that i, I won't do that i won't do that again <laughs> right
0: yeah and they got the chance to learn that mistake instead of uh you know going off a cliff on a you know a high like canyon road or whatever
2: my first motor my first modern bike we'll call it so my first bike was a 68 triumph um tr6c but my first what we call a modern bike was a 78 gs1000 Suzuki and it was Modern because it had uh, disc brakes and electric mm-hmm. start, but the rest of it might as well have been a boat anchor, and I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And it's a big, heavy bike. I'm a big guy. And I like a big bike. And we,
0: you I know, would go. Sign, uh, science had figured out how to make a motorcycle go fast at that point, but how to make it turn or slow down, they were, hadn't quite got that yet.
2: Well, maybe if I actually did something, I probably paid 500 bucks for the bike and didn't do shit to it. I mean, it was just a big old anchor. Um, <laughs> maybe if I didn't looked at the suspension, or maybe actually. Looked if there were brake pads in the damn thing, but I would go out in the canyons with my my friends that were much more experienced, and I almost lost it many times in the Santa Monica Mountains just because I'm I'm keeping up with them. I know what I'm doing. Sure. And then my second modern bike was an FZ FZ something or other. It was the R1, but it was the FZ, so it was more of the stand up, but with right. the R1 engine. The like, FZ1, you know, something like that. But back from 2001 2002. Yeah. And I thought I was fucking Valentino Rossi, and I went up to Big Sur like the day after I got it. And I got right past Ragged Point, and I missed a turn or something, and I went right into the side of the hill, fucked Oof. the bike up, fucked myself up. Uh, if I had been only another mile down the road where that was not a hill there, it was nothing but, you know, hundreds of feet down into the Pacific Ocean, I really think in my head I would that's where I would have ended up. So... I think that track days are very, very good for anybody, for anybody who just wants to fucking putt around and go get a cup of coffee and look cool in their cool outfit. And, you know, if they don't like getting their things scuffed up, Or who the fuck knows why people ride motorcycles, um, you know, whatever. But for people who are really serious and really use it as a lifestyle because they've got to go to work tomorrow or this is just the way it is, I could not recommend any track day to anybody. Just go and learn about your bike. And if they're assholes, find another one. There's um, a a magazine who um, has been supporting me for a long time, the Ulrich family uh, road racing world. Um, I think it's even got a longer name now, but it's road racing world and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, road racing world comes out every year. Uh, Michael Gouges, he's one of the riders too. And he's been with it for so long and he was a big supporter for a long time. I don't think he rides anymore, but. This magazine comes out and it tells you everything you need to know about going to a track day from the night before, get hydrated, get sleep, to when you get there, get there early, don't be a fucking dipshit, you know, listen to what people say, Yeah. Um, to every fucking track day organization in the country, the map where it is and their schedule and i don't know what what time of year that always comes out but it's just for anybody who's new just grab it go online roadracingworld.com they have great articles for most most people who are really into road racing so they're all about moto america all about moto gp all about you know fast modern bikes and they do some throwbacks to the vintage stuff and whatnot but for anybody who wants to get on and they don't have the most awesome track day in the world to go to because they live in main i'm sure there's good track days up there too there's some good organizations up there but um go find a track day take a couple of your buddies with you grab your girlfriend grab a cooler with some lunch and just go make the most out of it it's not it's not a cheap endeavor but it's worth every penny at the end of the day and then going back to what you said um about cool things like i was able to get alpine stars on board and i've known heath and um and Alpine Stars, I've had a relationship with them for almost 15 years. They come out and they give leathers to new riders. They let them, not, not give, but let them borrow them so yeah. that there's boots, no excuse.
0: Leathers, boots. gloves, like the whole deal.
2: I mean, that's a 3000 The set that I've got right now with boots and gloves is somewhere between three and $4,000. My first set of leathers that I got to do my race license, I got off of uh, Craigslist for $50. <laughs> And I look like a moon man. Oh, it's so freaking hilarious. And I'm trying to get on this little bike to do the road test and everything. But, um, I just think that it's, it's, it's a really good idea for anybody to do that. If they're serious about riding.
0: Agreed. Something that someone had always told me or people that had gone to the track regularly always told me was like, once you start riding on the track and getting like having that kind of fun, your desire to like do that sort of thing on the street, like usually drops precipitously. (laughs) It Um, makes me go more. I mean, I'm sure there are exclude, you know, exceptions to the rule, but like, or at least like you start to I mean you get better for sure but like it's that opportunity to get like all the adrenaline of a super hard canyon ride yeah and like 2% of the the danger or the fear you know
2: agreed um, there are some guys that do all this Harley stuff um two of my We had Harleys at the track day. We did. And normally we have a lot more but guess what's been happening the last couple of years is that uh other organizations are now taking uh taking um yeah, I don't want to toot my own horn but listen Brady was the first one with the fucking Harleys on the track. I'm sorry. Not your traditional <laughs> XR12 XR 1000s or whatever those badass you know road racing Harleys are. I remember get, hooking up with Tony Soloma and um and uh jiffy tune um, um I'll, I'll think of um uh, i'll think of his name in a second these guys were on the forefront of hard riding on these on these baggers and v big big v-twins not like these small little harleys like the big big shit with all the chrome and the bags and everything like that and i remember seeing them when i was doing my first track day or the second one and i saw them on instagram like hey you guys should come out to my track day and they're like we were wondering if we could ask you to come out. We were nervous to ask because we didn't think you'd let us. So they were riding with us for three or four years and look at it and look at it now. They've got the bagger championships. There's multiple classes for it. Um, I know the boys have um, put together along with like Dana Levine from FXRs Only. I ran a track day for only Harleys only. Last year, they did a Chuck Walla Raceway one where Heath was out there with support with Alpine Stars, and there was 150 bikes on the track that were all Harleys. So... Um, you know, I just, it just, it part one one side you could be like, well, fuck them. They don't come to my track day because they're doing other things now. But at the same time, you're like, oh my gosh, we help them get on the track and be badasses. And you see like people like Lucas Gibu, who's, a, you know, just like a knucklehead who saw them come out and he's like, I got my bike. And now Lucas is like number two racing with these guys and racing hard and fast. And so I I take a lot of pride in it. I love to see them come out to the track days. Um, I have a feeling they'll come out to Big Willow, but once I tell them that the um, the classes are open for them to design whatever classes they want for this vintage race we're going to do. Sure. I think we're going to we're going to call it the Carnival of Speed. It's an old it's an old uh, summer name I had for one of our events, but I think it's fitting uh, for this vintage festival. And I think that um, when I get with them and say, "Listen, start getting it together," I think they'll have more people than ever. But what they what they always told me was. They really were those people in the canyons, killing themselves, running off the cliffs, all this kind of shit with their buddies dying all the time. And Mm -hmm. they found the track and they were like, I can't believe this. We are now going to be doing this at the track. And it was sort of like, almost like an eye opener where they're scratching their eyes and just being there. Like, I can't believe this is happening. So five years later now they're on the national circuit and being shown and national stuff. And um, I think it's awesome. So I really hope, that we can inspire more people like that because the the opportunities are endless so we'll see
0: yeah absolutely i'm seriously considering so i sold both my motorcycles before in in advance of moving to japan um and i have intentions of buying a or a motorcycle or two or a thousand uh while i'm in japan and so i'm like really strongly considering now looking into japan like japanese like track day opportunities
2: I am. You. You need to connect with Larry Morris. He used to um, have an organization. I don't even know if he calls it that anymore. But it was NYC Motorcycles. Um, and he has moved. He um, found a lady who was Japanese, and he fell in love with her, and he married her a few years back, and he moved to Japan. So Larry is now doing buying and selling. He's uh, dragging a bunch of Harleys mm-hmm. out of the out of the continental U.S. and selling it to Japanese people, and then stuffing all of the old oddball Japanese, non-American market, everything Mm -hmm. into the container and sending it back to us so we can drool over all these bikes and buy them all up. Yeah. yeah.
0: Jay LaRose is doing that too from this end. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I think Jay has his his fingers in the pot with uh, with Larry uh, for sure. And good on them because that's what they do. But you ask me or ask jay or just go up and look and we'll um we'll get you hooked up with larry because larry's way into the bike world but he hangs out with some of these really cool cats that do all that kind of stuff and one thing that's really neat about japan is they love the small displacement bikes right
0: yeah um
2: there's this it's uh, not about super bikes It's about 50 cc's you know
0: right my, my friend phil so i have a friend who runs a dealership out in ohio and we were talking and he's big into jdm stuff he imports jdm cars you know, like goofy stuff, like Toyota Hiace minivans and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking about like what I want to try to find when I'm in Japan. And he told me about the Suzuki SW1, which looks <laughs> like a TU250 and a Honda PC800 had a baby. And then that transported back to like 1959. Like <laughs> it's super cool, like way more body work than it should really have. And it's just like a TU250 underneath it. That's funny. Like it Looks super cool. I was like, man, I want one of those. I'm like, I might have to try to find one. He goes, if you find one, I will pay you to bring it back. <laughs>
2: so, listen. So you're going. So you're going to go over there in the Navy, and you're going to be over there doing all that stuff. How long do you are you planning on being there for? Or how long are they
0: planning on you right. being there for? Uh, a minimum of two years, probably right. three.
2: Do you know what? That's an awesome opportunity.
0: Why the fuck for not? Sure. Yeah. Why not? I've wanted to do it my whole career, basically. Um, my dad was in the Navy, and he retired when I was a kid. But when he talked, he would talk about places he had been, and he'd been stationed in Japan briefly. And it's one of the few places outside of the country that my job field, like, has places for me to get stationed. It was like Hawaii, Guam, or Japan or the only places that weren't, like, Florida, Virginia, or California. And so I've just been trying to get out to Japan my whole career. So... I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be nuts.
2: We got to we got to go to Japan a few years back with an organization called Hell on Wheels and Meatball. And then Hayden was still working with Meatball and they organized a bunch of us. That was the Venice vintage days and running, hanging out with Julian Heppakaus and the Deus ex Machina crew there in Venice. And uh there was 50 or 60 of us. We threw all of our dirt bikes into a container and went over there and, and raced them on a on a motocross track like a bunch of maniacs. And I I wish that I had gotten out to see more stuff um really get out of Tokyo I mean we were stuck in Tokyo for four or five days and then by the time I was over I was like I I I don't want to leave I don't want to be in the big city I want to be out and I want to go see those monkeys in the snow and the hot baths I mean that's where my fucking scene is I really enjoy the um the culture the respect of the um the Japanese people just for everything for everybody's personal I mean we got so much crap going on here with all of the uh the political climate and everything else and um you know, we're over in Japan, and we're a bunch of loud assholes. <laughs> and, and I remember these little girls coming up to us while we're waiting at the train station. There's 20 or 30 of us just drunk and hooting and hollering. They go, shh, can you just maybe keep it down? Everyone, you, you guys are being a bunch of, they didn't say this, but they should have said, you guys are being a bunch of loud asshole fuckheads, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah. and let us have our peace. I love that. I can't wait to go back, and I'm I'm thinking right now about where where I'm where you're living, so I can come visit you for a for a long weekend. Uh,
0: my doors will be open, sir. Awesome. I'm, I'm probably going to be living in the Yokohama area. All right. So about 30 minutes outside of Tokyo. So. That's good.
2: Mm-hmm. Tokyo's neat, but it's just like going to New York. I love right. New York for yeah. the first few days, uh, but I'm um, I'm very sensitive. G. I, I like it being peace and quiet. I like nature. Um, but that being said. Um, I got a, got to go around to a couple of neat cities this year with IMS and Atlanta um, and Nashville. And so that, that kind of stuff is fun. But I, I bet you you're going to have a ball. And I'm, you're going to learn excited. so much.
0: Yeah. Starting with Japanese, hopefully. Eek. <laughs> like to speak All we know Japanese. is pon. I don't, um, I don't know what that ju-su. means. Do you know what Jusu means? No. Juice. Oh. Yeah. Juisu. <laughs> right. So the, one of the funniest things about because i was doing Japanese to completely digress. I've been doing like Japanese lessons through an app that's like Duolingo. Okay. And they use three different character systems for their written language, which is nuts if you ask me, but whatever. They that's how they want to do it. That's their life. They can live their lives. But sure. all of the loan words that they've taken from other languages, if you for the most part, if you just pronounce it with a super cheesy offensive Japanese accent, that's how they pronounce it. <laughs> like that's how <laughs> they no, actually sickle. Yeah, like McDonald's is like Makudonado. <laughs> and you're like, "What?" <laughs> really? <laughs> okay well easy all right enough. guys <laughs> and juice yeah jusu they just like
2: jusu yeah. well we got the um what was that rosetta stone and i said mm-hmm. okay we're gonna go because one of the things i hate doing is i don't like to offend people um i don't i, I want to um uh, i i know enough spanish to get around i did four years of spanish in high school so i could get 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 by with it Same pretty here. Well, but i'm yeah. like I want to go and I want to speak the lake. I want to immerse myself in it. I got through three days of this thing and I'm like, huh? Fuck this. I don't want to learn this. But when we Caroline we're always joking about the four, lear, four words we learned. We learned Jusu. We learned Pone, which is either newspaper or water. And then we also learned, oh gosh, I wish she was here because we always laugh. But I only, I only remember Jusu and Pone. So uh, yeah, I well, would. Well, I'm make assuming you know
0: out. how to say thank you. Origato. Yeah, I mean, if, if if you've ever listened to Mr. Roboto by Sticks, then you've heard it a million times. <laughs> I'll just say, here we go. This is my theme song for the day. Yeah. But, uh, um. But yeah. Th- then uh, Baka is like dumb. Okay. So that would and be then, me. And then Gaijin is like foreigner. So.
2: so, that was the two things. You, you just walked around apologizing and calling yeah. yourself a dumb foreigner. Yeah, yeah. Go,
0: gomen asai, which is I'm sorry. Yep. Baka. Gaijin. I'm sorry. Like, ah, dumb they say, foreigner.
2: <laughs> the outside. No sake for you. I'm like yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Good. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, where can people find out more about all of the fun stuff? Classic track day, festival of speed, carnival of speed, carnival, of carnival speed, speed. Mm-hmm. carnival, of
2: speed, uh, carnival of speed featuring the grand, the Willow Springs grand prix. Um, we, you can, I have multiple websites. I use my, uh, my homepage as a launch page to all of the things I do, whether it be races or classic track day or these other things coming up or other events. And so that's pretty simple at bradywalker.com, B R A D Y W. Alker.com, uh, but you'll also—I'm just almost finished up redoing the Classic Track Day website, and so you can find it at ClassicTrackDay.com. Trying to keep it simple.
0: Nice, very simple.
2: Well, and Brady. if you go there, you'll be able to find everything. And I even leave my phone number on there. I love to talk, and that's kind of you know my my kind of thing. Where we're 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 doing it old school, and I'm going to continue to do it old school. So
0: <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming on. This has been awesome. Thank you for the opportunity to go ride around the track on a little Honda CBR 500 uh, for quite a while. It felt. I mean, basically, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have to get, I have to stop because I'm getting tired, and I'm going to crash.
2: <laughs> I, got, I got. I was going in and hopping on a different bike. So I had a GS 550, which is completely different. And I was like, this is weird. This is weird that I would try. But I did the same thing because I would have bikes in all three classes. I I mean, I can run any class. That's my fucking track day. But I was trying to be somewhat considerate. But I feel the same way you did. I was just like, one thing that I could tell you is is that, especially with racing or track days, if if you're going around and you say, "Um, you know what, this is the last lap. I'm feeling good. This is the last lap. But you decide not to do it and you do one more that's when shit goes down
0: exactly so, yeah so this that- is
2: my this is feeling like this is my last lap this is my last lap get the fuck off the track and get your fuck, get out of your motorcycle
0: <laughs> yep that's exactly what i did i uh i had my i had a very very good session for like my third or fourth session and then my next session, I could tell it wasn't quite as good. I wasn't quite as like dialed in. And then my, my leg was getting a little stiff. I was like, okay, this is it. Um, yeah. I'm not getting back out there.
2: Well, thank you for coming, Christopher. And I know we had spoken before, but it's people like you, just really nice folks that come out. And you know what, if I had, a, uh, even with all the rules, if I had 80 assholes out there and 20 really nice people, it wouldn't be the same. And that's where this magic sort of happens at the end of the day. And so I want to thank you for coming out and Thanks. thank you for sharing the information. And I really, um, I'm looking forward to when you get back, you know, I'm, I don't know when you're going to be leaving, but I have a feeling I might not see you until you get back from Japan for a vacation, but you just stay in touch with me. And we'll always, yeah. keep a, we'll keep a seat warm for you over here at classic track day. And just hop it. on for a couple of sessions. All right.
0: Yeah. So bradywalker.com ClassicTrackDay.com. get out there, ride some vintage bikes, eclectic ride bikes, every, bike, every, every bike, bike, and hang out with some really cool people. And go right, go ride around the track. That's right. All right. Talk to you later. Take care.